Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Love them like you love yourself. Husbands, love your wife like you love yourself. And love your neighbor like you love yourself. And here he says the same thing. You shall love him as yourself, for you are a stranger in Egypt. And so we should all be careful about how we treat those that are different. Those that are maybe outside of whatever you are. It should be a, a difference that Christ is making in all of our hearts where there's just room, there's more room than there used to be. There's room for more people. There's room, there's just more room to love more people because of how Christ has received you and loved you. Comfort is a high priority to most people, from foods to clothes to friends. We often stick to what we know and like. Well, in today's message, Pastor Bill explains that leaning into your comfort isn't always good when it comes to reaching out to others. When you learn that God loves and welcomes everyone, no matter how different they may be, He wants to grow your heart so that you can do the same. Please be aware that some of the content of this message may not be suitable for younger audiences. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 19 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Leviticus, uh, we left off, we did chapter 19 and we ended at verse 29. And so I'm going to give you a brief recap on what we covered and then we'll jump right in. In chapter 19, we were looking at a whole lot of things that God, there were laws, there were things that God didn't want them to do when they get into the land. The whole idea was that God was taking his people somewhere. He's taking them into the promised land. They're going to be heading into the land of Canaan. But the, the world that they're going to be entering into is a very pagan, wicked world. And so God didn't want them to pick up on the pagan practices. So God was very specific with them and telling them, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't participate in their worship of the dead. Don't participate in their worship of this God Molech where they hand over their newborn babies into its blazing hands. They were they were not to, to mark their bodies or tattoo their bodies for the dead. And we left off again at verse 29, which told them, we, we read 29, which they were being told not to let their daughters be prostitutes. They had in their pagan worship a form of temple prostitution where people participated in it. And when they had daughters, they would give their daughters over to participate in it. And so now we'll pick up at verse 30 of chapter 19. And it says, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Rev- I'm sorry, you should keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. God wants them to remember that he set that day aside once a week, the Sabbath day, that they were to keep it holy. It was to be a day separated for them to be with the Lord, a day for rest, the day that they weren't to be doing a whole lot of, of labor and work. Um, it was a day set apart for the Lord. Verse 31, give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to, defi- to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Um, I told you guys, Many times over 18, 19, and 20, we see the phrase, I am the Lord your God. That's God's way of saying, because I'm your God, don't do this. So with regard to mediums, familiar spirits, God says don't seek them. We talked about it last week, but I'll reiterate it again this week. Believers in the true and living God are not to be messing around with witchcraft. We shouldn't be going trying to conjure up the dead. You shouldn't be at some some seance. You shouldn't be somewhere, you know, checking out some santeria voodoo or some witchcraft. You shouldn't be at the palm reader talking about, you know, tell me what my future is. Give me my lucky numbers. We just not supposed to have nothing to do with any of that stuff. And I just would say this. If those people could give you your lucky numbers, 
wouldn't they just be rich? Wouldn't they just go win the lottery themselves and they wouldn't have a little neon hand in their sign? They'd be, they'd be rich. They'll have the, they'll be hitting the lotto every week if that was the case. So I just think how dumb do you have to be to go there and say, give me my numbers? Like, I'm gonna pay you my money to give me numbers that you obviously don't know because you broke. You need my money. Anyway, so God says, never mind the fact that it's dumb. God says for my kids, y'all are not to partake of that. Um, because this is it. There is some reality to the demonic realm. Anybody here that's ever messed around or been exposed, there is power. There is, there is God's power, but there is some satanic power. There is demonic power and it is real. And so you can mess around in that, that stuff and then find out that it's real and you might be intrigued by it. It might be interesting. It might wow you, but you don't ever want to be wowed by the supernatural on the devil side. Um, if you, if you enter the supernatural, Get into the Bible, get into the work of the Holy Spirit, get into the supernatural on this team where it's edifying, beneficial and everlasting. Um, don't be messing around in the supernatural on this team over here um, where you're dealing with a liar who comes to steal, kill and to destroy. So God tells him, I don't want you doing it. I am the Lord, your God. Verse 32, you shall rise before the gray headed and honor the presence of an old man. They got energy. They got passion. But what do they lack? Wisdom. All the old people, all the older people said it. They lack wisdom. They dumb. You know, they don't know what they're doing. Now, older people, they have wisdom, life experience. If they've been walking with the Lord, there's some spiritual knowledge and wisdom that they have. What do they lack? Energy, passion. They tired. Well, my knees is giving out. I would go, but I, I my back is hurting at night. So if you can just get us together. If I can get the young people with all the energy, passion, and vigor to get together with these older people with their wisdom and knowledge, and, and they can just serve God together, we can, we can get some things done. But one thing that the enemy does in every culture where he can is he'll have young people despise the older people. He'll have older people looking at the younger people like, look at their hair. What kind of outfit is that? What kind of style? And then, and then y'all just don't, y'all can't benefit each other. So we have to be careful as a body of believers that we don't value our place above another place. I'm at my age. I got to recognize the value of those older than me and those younger than me in the body of Christ. And so God tells them here, he says, I want you younger people, honor Rise up before the gray headed. You give them honor. You give them respect. Um, and it, it used to just be back in the day where it was just an understood thing. I, I ain't grew up Christian, but I grew up as a young man understanding if it was an old lady or older lady, you didn't let her carry, you didn't let her open the door, you were just, you just did, you just, you just went out of your way to do something. And now kids today, I'd be, they'd be to knock her over trying to get in front of her, you know, to get in line. So, um, we gotta do better at teaching our kids. These things. So these principles haven't changed. God would still have younger people to have honor and respect for the older people. So um, God said, I want you to rise up before the gray head and I want you to honor the presence of an old man and the and the fear of God is on the Lord. Verse 33. And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. God said, look, when a stranger comes in, somebody that's not your race, somebody outside of your culture, for the children of Israel, should a stranger end up in your land, God says, treat them like they're your family. Don't treat them like they're an outsider. He says, you know why? Because you were a stranger in the land of Egypt, but I took care of you there. So when I send some stranger your way, you make sure that you love them. So we got to be careful as believers in Christ that we're not, we, there really is no room in the body of Christ for racism. Can't be. Can't say I love Jesus, and then, but I don't like that group. But I really don't like that group. I like my people better than everybody other people. God says, no, 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 you're going to love everybody. God tells them right here, it's a command. Love them like you love yourself. 
And I tell you guys all the time, God never tells us to love ourselves. You know why? Because we already do. Sometimes too much. God would never say love yourself. He'll always tell you, love them like you love yourself. Husband, love your wife like you love yourself. And love your neighbor like you love yourself. And here he says the same thing. You shall love him as yourself. For you were a stranger in Egypt. And so we should all be careful about how we treat those that are different. Those that are maybe outside of whatever you are. It should be a a difference that Christ is making in all of our hearts where there's just room. There's more room than there used to be. There's room for more people. There's room. There's just more room to love more people because of how Christ has received you and loved you. And so moving on, it says now in verse 35, you shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of length, weight, uh, weight or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights and honest ephah and an honest hen. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when they do business with one another, God said, don't have dishonest scales. Basically, if you were back then, I don't know, you know, we, we hustle different today. But if you were a, a hustler back in these days and somebody came to buy, you know, some grain from you, you might have your scale kind of fixed to where you, you yeah, I'm putting a pound on here, but it's going to say a pound and a quarter. And I get that a little extra money off for you. God said, don't, don't be, don't do for my kids. You know, they might do that over in Egypt. They might do that over in the other place, but don't y'all be doing that. And so Christians, be careful that you do honest business. Be careful that you're not lying on paperwork, that you're not cheating to get ahead. And I know tax time just came and went. And some of y'all, maybe y'all, you might be convicted right now by what you wrote, what you said, what you claimed. Um, but God said, don't do that. Don't do that. You, that, you, you don't want to be, it's not even a blessing that way. If you, if God's going to bless you, you'll never have to sin against God to be blessed by the Lord. If you got to sin against God to get something, you probably don't want it. You probably don't want it. You don't want to have it. And so God tells him here, no, no dishonest skills. Don't get over like that. Don't take advantage of people in that way. Verse 36 again says, you shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest ephah, an honest hen. Why? Because I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. I am the Lord. Now, as we come to chapter 20, everything that we looked at in chapter 18 and 19, all the don't do's. Chapter 20, we come to the consequences for these. If you break some of these laws, not all of them, but he goes back through some that are Obviously, some of his choice of his picking. And God says, if you do these things, this is what's going to happen to you. So we should know about consequences. What does the Bible teach you and me about consequences? Whatsoever a man sows, what? That shall he also reap. If you sow good seed, you'll have some good harvest eventually. But if you sow grit, grime, dirt, you're going to have some grit, grime, and dirt. I'm amazed at the people that I, the, the people that I know that always have drama going on. You know what you know about them? That's what they be sowing. It's, you know, certain people, it just seems like it's just them. Wherever they go, drama happens. Wherever they go, arguments happen, disagreements happen, intense battles, bickerings happen. But it's like, it's just, it's everywhere you go, it happens. It's, it's, it must be how you sow. Must be the kind of conversation you keep. Must be the kind of things that you do to other people. God says, be careful. Whatever you sow, that you shall also reap. If you sow to the spirit, of the spirit, you reap everlasting life. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Here, he's giving them a whole bunch of things. He said, I want y'all doing that. But he says, but if you do, this is what's going to happen. And just like a good parent, God said, I want you to be shocked. I'm not going to, I'm not going to surprise you with a discipline. God said, I want you to know up front. If you decide to go against my command to not do this thing, this is what's going to be what comes about. This is what's going to happen. Uh, like I said, it's, it's like good parenting. Uh, a good parent, let your kid know. If you do that thing right there, 
this is what's going to happen. And then it happens. And then the kids understand that if I do that, that'll happen. So it ain't, you know, they can, they can kind of judge for themselves if it's worth it or not. God is being upfront and saying, if you break these commandments, this will be the consequence. And, and it's, it's what would be the consequence. So look at chapter 20, starting in verse one. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying again, you shall say to the children of Israel, whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. So let me remind you about this God, Molech. Told you guys last week, Molech was a, a god that they worshipped. It was a Canaanite god of prosperity and pleasure. Like it was about four feet tall. It was hollowed out in the middle. It had arms that were outstretched. And they would put wood in it and it would burn until the hands were orange hot. And the people would take their newborn babies as a part of worshipping this god. Again, a god of prosperity. The promise was that you would prosper. It was for pleasure. And you would take your baby to, to appease this God and you would place your newborn baby in the hands and it would just sizzle to death right there. Um, from reading the manners and customs, they said that the parents were not able to show emotion. They weren't supposed to be there crying or looking like they, it was supposed to be something you voluntarily gladly gave and worshiped to this God Molech. And they left the babies there. God said that, that mess right there, don't do that. The Canaanites do that. The other nations do that. But you guys do not pick that stuff up. So I talked about the, our, the parallel in our culture would be a, would be abortion. Many people do abort babies for their own prosperity. Um, right now I'm in school. It's going to get in the way of my, my college. It's going to get in the way of my, I, I can't have another kid right now. Whatever reasons people get pregnant decide to abort a kid. We didn't want it. We didn't plan on it. We didn't think it was going to happen. Yada, yada, yada. It's the same thing. It's taking a life and it's a murder of a life. And for this people here, God said, look, you're going to die for it. Take them both and stone them to death and cut them off from their people. I do not want this to pervade my, the culture of my people. So while we live in a world where that's a very common and acceptable way to deal with an undesired pregnancy, it should not be so in the church. Um, it's a shame that it's that way in the world, but it shouldn't be in the church. Um, it shouldn't be something that the church picks up and that people within the church do. And so, you know, we, we kind of covered it already. If you've done something like this, I explained it before that there is forgiveness and mercy through Jesus Christ. There's no, it's not, it's not the unforgivable sin. Yes, you can be forgiven. Yes, you can be cleansed. Yes, God can wash away the stain of your sin. Yes, he can wash away your conscience and you can go, you can be free to walk with the Lord. It's not something, it's not to condemn anybody, but it is to cause us to, to not live in a way that this would be something we would do future. So, Wherever you are at today, pray that none of us will live in a way, but this would be something we would participate in, the murder of an unborn child, a baby. So, but that's what they would do. God said they would die for this capital punishment. So here's the thing. Some people have an issue with capital punishment. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think God would have capital punishment. They you read your Bible. Y'all know capital punishment is it's biblical. It's okay. It's not a crime. Actually, the cultures that practice it are better off. If there were capital punishment for rape, guess how much you would have, how much rape we would have. We wouldn't have none. Um, the cultures that will kill you for raping someone in their culture don't have an issue with rape. The cultures that will kill you for molesting a child don't have a problem with molestation. 
The cultures like ours that let you go to jail, rehabilitate you, let you do it three more times before they lock you up for a long, long time, we end up having a problem with it because it's not dealt with sternly enough. So it's not only is it a good thing, it's beneficial when it's used properly in the cultures that do. I was blown away. Um, I went with my dad and my brother to Jamaica and we went up into, uh, we went off the tourist path up into their, the areas where the people lived. And, and um, I mean, we drove about five hours up into this area, way up in the bush. And we're going to meet the people that live here and they, they have their own government and everything else. And um, as we got there and I'm, I'm driving up and we're driving, I'm, I'm not driving, I'm riding, but I'm looking at very young girls just kind of walking up and down the streets. And I'm like, if this is L.A., that looks dangerous because I see dudes off over here in the corner. There's some motorcycle guys over here. They got the weed guys over here as you driving up. And I'm just looking at these young girls walking. And so when we got where we're going. I said, is this safe for them girls to walk like that? And the guy said, oh, yeah. Uh, he said, man, he said, if anybody touch them girls, you, you don't get out of you. Don't, you you would never make it out of here. And it's the understanding there that that the girls have nothing to worry about. You, they said you wouldn't make it if he said somebody on your tourist bus did something when you wouldn't get you wouldn't get to go back. You wouldn't make it back. It just doesn't it wouldn't happen here. And so he said, so the girls have no problem. They can walk around at nighttime. Nobody's going to bother them because it's not OK here. And I thought, wow, you know, so anyway, I don't want to digress too much. Capital punishment is biblical. We'll see that God institutes it here. If you look at Romans 13 and God speaks on it there, how there, there are authorities in place that they don't bear the sword in vain. It is a biblical concept, it's, and it's, it's again, the, the cultures that practice it properly are better off than those that don't. So as we have so many people saying, do away with it, we'll end up being worse off for that. So moving on down, so if you take your kid and gave him a molek, um, the penalty for that would be death. Verse 3 again, it says, I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to molek to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. Verse four, and if the people of that land should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Molech and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. Now, here's another thing. God says, now, we'll deal with the people that did the sin, but if you know about it, and you need to bring them to justice and you won't do it. You want to turn a blind eye. God says, I'm going to hold you accountable too. So this is for the people that would say, you know, and this happens in the church more than it should. Where there'll be something someone's doing that they shouldn't be doing. And they bring it to somebody in the church that should correct them. Should, you know, if need be, put them on blast, help them out with what they're dealing with. And they're like, well, this is between me and you. You know, we just going, I just now I know what you're doing and, and I hope you stop, but I'm going to just keep it on the low. God says, no, no. Now, I know we live in a culture today where, you know, it's, we're not encouraged to tell on people and they say things like snitches, get stitches and so forth and so on. But those aren't kingdom principles. God says here, if you and your family are aware of this and for whatever reason, rather you're doing them a favor or you're just letting it ride, God says, I will deal with you. It'll come back on you. So what is our responsibility as Christians for our brothers and sisters that may be struggling? What responsibility do we have to deal with them? Do we have a responsibility to speak up, to say something, to call them into account, to shed light on something? Are we to hold things in the dark? I don't believe that we're supposed to. Um, I don't believe we're supposed to allow somebody to continue on in darkness. We're to encourage people off into the light. So 
I've, I've actually known of scenarios within churches where someone will know of something like adultery and they hold it in silence with someone and they don't say nothing. I'm just let you know if, if I know about some adultery, I'm not going to hold that. That's not this. You shouldn't have did it. I'm not, I'm not going to hold that back. That's, that's, if, if I become aware of something like that, your, if it's your wife that need to know, your wife need to know, this is kind of my thing. I do it with high school kids. I do the same thing with adults. I'm going to encourage you to go tell on yourself. And I'll give you enough time to go do that. You need to you know, talk to your wife by tonight. If it's a kid, you need to go let mom and dad know you did this by tonight. But if you don't, I'm going to be giving a call about eight. So when I call at eight, I'm either going to confirm that you told them or I'll be letting them know. But I'm not going to bed with this on my chest, you know, and we're not called to walk in the dark. God said here, look, if you know that they gave their kids up to Molech, they're supposed to die. Now, that's a heavy thing, though. I don't want to be the one to tell. They're going to get punished severely. They're going to die. But God said, if you don't, I'm coming for you and your family. You're guilty, too. You're, you become as guilty as them for not walking in the light. And so. I mean, am I my brother's keeper? You know, we, God said there is a responsibility that you have for those around you when you become aware of these things. Um, they weren't able to just plead, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to, I'm not going to touch that. God said, no, you, once you know about it, you're involved. And so that same thing would apply to us that we would be people that would walk in the light. Verse, verse, um, five now. I'm sorry. Verse six. And the person, so we switch gears now, and the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. And so God says, the person that won't obey the command I gave to not mess around with mediums and you're just interested in it, you got to pull up your horoscope, you got to know what they say and everything else. For the people back here, God said, look, if you if you go ahead and do that anyway. He says, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. What does it mean when God sets his face against a person? It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Um, it's the idea is this. I mean, obviously, God doesn't have a face. Um, when, when the Bible talks about God turning his face from us, God's the Bible's using words that would help us to understand the idea. I want you to write down this verse in first Peter chapter three, verse twelve. First Peter chapter three, verse 12 says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But then it says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So this is the idea. God says, look, my, the righteous, my eyes are on and my ears are open to their requests. But those that are doing evil, my face is against them. I'm not listening or watching. When God says right here. The people that go ahead and do this, you're going to be cut off from your people. and God's going to turn his face from you. That's I'm not going to be listening to you anymore. Our relationship is going to be damaged from that point on. Uh, in Kings with Saul, if you guys remember the story of Saul, um, Saul messed up. And in his sin, he, he wasn't able to hear. God wasn't speaking to him anymore. And Saul went and consulted a medium and wanted to you know, bring up Samuel, the prophet, and was just trying to get a word from the Lord, trying to get something. And what he got was a bad word that he was going to die. But as you look at his life, because of the way that he was living, he wasn't God was not speaking to him anymore. This man that at one point in his life, God was speaking to him. God was no longer speaking to him. There was God was like, I'm, I'm not listening. And, and he was desperate to hear something. And it drove him to go speak to a medium. And um, I look at that and I just think, man, you should have just obeyed the Lord. You know, he had the option to, but he didn't. And so when it says here, God's, I'll turn my face away. If you're going to go seek another spiritual, you know, guide, 
The guys said, don't come seeking me. If you're going to go to, you know, the, the, the tarot place, you're going to go to the whatever, you're going to seek a medium or a familiar spirit. Don't go do that and then come back and talk to me. Turn my face away. Not listening. Not going to, and not going to interact. And so I think that's a big deal. I don't want to be in a place where God won't interact with me, where God won't speak to me, where God won't hear me. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Thanks for tuning in. Leviticus is often a book that gets overlooked and misjudged. Though it seems to be full of meaningless and insignificant rules, nothing can be further from the truth. All of Scripture is so important to understanding not only your faith, but also the heart of God. When God created the Ten Commandments, they weren't meant to control. They were meant to help guide. God desires for all His children to understand that life in Him can be full and rich. And that's all God wants for you too. But He won't force you to live in Him or live by His guidance. You get to choose it. What a gift! If you're looking to dive deeper into Leviticus or other scriptures, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word of God on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining Pastor Bill again next time, right here on A Transforming Word.